back, everybody. Dogbone Podcast. This is a, a big day for us. We hit double digits. Uh, this is number 10. And um, this week, we are 100% uh, building the topics off of messages that we received. Uh, this week is Facebook, uh, I guess you call them DMs, right? That's yep. it. So it'd be a direct message that someone sent me on Facebook. A lot of these questions, um, there's, there's a couple of them, and I, I picked a theme to them, a bit of a theme. But um, most of these questions are, and I'm actually going back and finding some that I answered directly uh, via Facebook. I, I typed a message back to him. I like expanding on it because I'm a way better talker than I am a writer. Um, and I talk a lot. And so they get a lot longer, they get a lot more um, descriptive. And sometimes uh, when I'm replying by a message, it just gets it gets a bit cumbersome. There's a lot of details and things that I don't necessarily, I'm not able to include as easily by writing. So I, I do think that messaging back and forth is valuable. We continue to do that. I spend a lot of time doing it, um, probably more than my wife would like me to. Um, but I kind of pick on Steph a lot during this when she's not here. But um, so, but what I'm going to do is this this uh, theme to this podcast has more of a puppy uh, feel on it. And I think the reason I'm doing that is I've had an influx of puppy questions lately. And I think summertime is traditionally uh, spring and into the summer, a lot of a real common time for people to get puppies. And I think it has to do with kids are off school and weather, depending on where you live. Um, obviously, I am in my micro little bubble here in Wisconsin. And we have... Uh, a short window of time that we don't have snow on the ground. So summertime is real popular in the Midwest, I think, for people to get puppies. Um, just from a weather standpoint as well, it makes things easier going in and out, um, housebreaking, all that stuff. It's a lot easier to do it when you don't have ice on the ground. So a lot more comfortable as well. So we are going to talk about some puppy questions that came in on Facebook. Um, this is one, and, and it's kind of a variety of puppy questions. They're not like all the same by any means. Um, so let me let me read through a couple of these. This one came from a guy named Zach uh, Adrian, Zachary Adrian. And he says, hey there, I have a quick question for you. I just got an eight-week-old, I just got two, plural, I have two eight-week-old Australian Shepherd puppies and want to train them for sheds and tracking deer as I am colorblind and can't see blood on leaves. Is it best for me to train them separate or together thanks in advance? Now, I hear that question more often than you would expect. Um, I always tell people, first off, hmm, kudos to you on your ambition. Like two puppies at once, a lot of people, one puppy at a time is a lot, uh, can be a lot. Two puppies at one time is an awful lot. Uh, to the point where I avoid it. At, at all cost. I mean, I, I, I have a hard time avoiding it completely. I really try to not have pups the same age. Uh, just because I think there's a point where um, when you're raising these pups, they just take an extreme amount of focus, a, an extreme amount of your energy and your effort to establish routine and establish consistency and I, I really mean majorly early on when it comes to like housebreaking 
Like, I think housebreaking is extremely simple based on the idea that a pup doesn't want to make a mess in the first place. Like, they don't want to, they don't want to mess their place. So, depending on where you get your pups from, I really think there is a big upside to getting pups from kennels that have whelping pens or whelping boxes for their litters that allow separate spots for pups to sleep. So they have areas to come out and they have areas that they go in and sleep. And they don't eat and they don't do their business where they sleep. And what it does is it teaches these puppies, It just it, it's not teaching them anything, it's just allowing them to be natural. Pups in the wild don't have, don't go use the bathroom in their den. Like they go outside, they have a spot that gets away from their, away from where they're living. Um, they want to do it naturally. So if you set them up as a breeder or a kennel to do that, like they'll come to the, the new house really well on their way for housebreaking. They just won't want to make a, mis- make a mess. So I do think that that is like my number one goal when I bring pups home is get them on this routine of feeding and, and bathroom breaks so that we don't have more work than we need to and we have a clean situation. So what I want to do is the problem with two puppies is it's like it's about timing and you don't have a whole lot of time with with these young dogs like when they wake up you got to get them out. And so it takes a lot of focus and because I don't think they can hold it um you know bathroom true hold holding their bathroom stuff. I don't think it's I think it's maybe 12 weeks before their body physically is able to really hold it like if they have to go and they're in their crater kennel and they don't want to go in there physically for them to be able to hold that in i think you you, they're close to 12 weeks old and so when you pick them up at seven weeks old you got five week window there and so will they have a tendency to not mess yes if you get them out quickly but as soon as they wake up they're going to go so if you are able to focus on those first few weeks and eliminate now once they have an accident they all of a sudden think it's okay and then it's much much harder to reverse it so right off the bat when I get these pups home that's my number one focus now the other thing is is I start and if you guys have watched any of our stuff that we do with puppies I start imprinting things very early I think seven weeks old is a perfect time to bring these pups home um, I think that first week, so this guy has an eight week old. I'm gonna be asking another, I got another question that, hello, I'm getting an eight week old pup. So the that seven, eight weeks old is usually that the first rounds of questions come in because they got the puppies at seven weeks. By eight weeks, they're pulling their hair out and wondering what the hell do I do now? So I get a lot of that eight week window stuff, questions wise. When I bring them home at seven weeks, I give them three, four, five, seven days of really like, just trying to figure out how to get them comfortable. I, I really think they got to get in. I mean, we just uprooted them. We just took them away from all their brothers and sisters. We all of a sudden put them on an island. They're kind of by themselves now. Uh, a lot of stress. Um, you, there's moving involved, like physical stuff. You pick your dog up from somewhere a long ways away. You're traveling. That's the first time they've traveled. They're experiencing virtually everything new for the first time. And so... When you do that, man, it's a big change. So that first week that I get the pup home, I really put a big effort on the idea of just trying to get them comfortable, trying to get them to settle in and build some trust and be confident in the idea of their new pack is pretty good. Like we're, 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 they're gonna fit right in and things are gonna go well. So 
Now, going back to this question of two, like, does is it impossible to do? No. Is it a lot harder to do? Absolutely. And I think it's because I get this, I really pay a lot of attention to focusing on the routine with one. And the problem is, is it's, they're, they're big enough at that point. Um, it's nearly impossible to do everything times two. Like, it's hard to pick up two pups at the same time and get them outside. It, one wakes up, wakes up the other one. Now all of a sudden you're trying, you're, everything you're doing is doubled. So can you do it? Yes. His question is, should I train them together? And no, not at all. Uh, that is not going to work. He's saying, is it best to train them separate or together? Separate for sure. Uh, I would try to separate everything to try to be able to figure out a way to get focus on one at a time so that I don't miss something with one don't miss the timing with one so i don't even want them sleeping together like i want to be able to try to figure out how can i separate them so dramatically that when i get one up i get it outside it goes to the bathroom it doesn't get the other one up and so you're you're just like you're living a double life there is what i would try to do so when i do train two together and i have done it in the past that that's my approach it it takes a whole lot more it takes a whole lot more work uh, when it comes to actual like feeding, you know, how do you feed one? You, you got like I think feeding is a really good opportunity to get some good training in, um, building some steadiness and all that stuff. And if you've got one lined up and it takes 45 minutes to feed it, well then you might have two of them. Now you're dedicating an hour and a half at times maybe to feed the dogs. Boy, that's a lot. Um, and I don't think it's something that you can just go eh. It's harder to do with two, so I'll just shortcut it because that's going to haunt you in the, down the road. So the answer to that question is, you got, you, yes, I think you got to treat them separately. Um, I don't the, Together, their focus will be on each other, and the habits that will be forming will likely be not desirable. So by taking them away from each other, you give yourself a chance for them to focus on you. Uh, by having the ability to focus, to, to set yourself up to, to help one form good habits by itself, that's how you're going to get it kind of moving down the road in the right direction. So uh, that is my answer on that one. Not to say you can't do it. It's just a hell of a lot of work. Um, and I've done it. I've done it. I've done it several times. I've done it with three. I've done it. I've, I've had it. It's, it's just it compounds. It's just a lot of work. Um, so here's, I'm going to, I'm going to run this question. Um, he's, this one is from a guy named Tony. It says, hello, I'm getting an eight week old pup within a month and was wondering where to start with training on shed hunting and what video of yours do you start with? Any advice would be greatly appreciated. So first off an eight week old pup, seven week old pup, nine week old pup, all the way up to, you know, months old. I think we, we, we have we start we always start in the beginning now you're gonna say that's a terrible answer uh, it, maybe it's not real specific but if you have a one-year-old dog or a seven-week-old dog it doesn't matter the age you start in the beginning so where's the beginning well the beginning is always the foundation you can't have a shed dog so he asked speci more specifically of wants to train it on shed hunting where does you where do you start with now he did say what videos do you start with so wh where to start with training and what videos to start with so one will answer the other we have a, a video 
it's called puppy training. That's where I would start. And puppy training is, is just that. I think it's actually called puppy training first things first. It's 100% the stuff that I need prior to even thinking about shed training or any work in the field. It's actually the previous, it's prior to um, what I would call the foundation. And the foundation comes early on, but the foundation is a little bit more formal. Um, I consider a real solid foundation elements of it to be like heal, sit, stay, recall. Um, the things that I need in order to do drills later on down the road when I get into more formal field work. So, but the puppy training is housebreaking and timing and understanding the idea of how these dogs are going to learn. And so video wise, it's, it's, it's definitely the puppy video that's available right now. It's released. It's available. Uh, it was pre-order. It's now available. Now the next one I have is the foundation DVD. In the foundation DVD, we used to have a DVD that covered all of this stuff. Um, it was three and a half hours long. It's now been broken into two DVDs. That one is no longer available. The, it's now broken into two DVDs. One is over three hours by itself. The other is puppy DVDs over three hours too, I think. Yeah. So there, it went from three and a half hours covering everything to over six hours uh, covering a whole lot more. That foundation DVD, and I've got we've got a pre-order on it, and I know there's people that are listening to this going, yeah, I pre-ordered it a long time ago. Uh, it's been recorded. It is on my list, and it will be done by the end of this week. Um, so by August 1st, I will have it done. Uh, I've made that commitment. And so we'll have it. That's the revisions, and then we'll be sending it to production. So that is like a five- to seven-day process as well. So by mid-August, that will be shipping. And I've said it now, so I'm going to hold, I 100% will hold to it. Um, but that's, that's the next step. And I think that is where I talk, heal, sit, stay, come when I call you. Those are the things that you have to have prior to, again, getting into shed stuff. Now, early on, I think you can start forming some good habits um, indirectly. I guess you could call it shed training. You're going to make little puppy retrieves. I think I do those in the hallway. Um, you know, I do it, I close all the doors, I eliminate a lot of distractions, I channel the dog straight out and straight back. Those are opportunities for me to form good habits early on that are going to later transfer to the field and to my, to my shed hunting, more, more shed hunting stuff. Um, but so eight week old pup, where do I start with my training? You got to build your foundation. It's just like building a building. If you, if you build a house that's really pretty and it's a big elaborate house up above ground and everything you see is really nice but you set, build it with no foundation underneath it just wait a, few, a, a very short period of time and between the wind and the weather and the frost and everything else it will collapse because without a foundation it's going to fall down and that's with that's the same with everything so Dog training is the same way as well. You have to have, you have to have a solid foundation underneath it in order to do the stuff you want to do eventually. Uh, I spend the majority of the first year, so say twelve months, so the pups can probably be like fourteen months. I spend the majority of the first year to eighteen months on foundation work, and so I'm training a dog right now, uh, Cody. She's going through hold conditioning. Uh, talked with her owner today. He's want he's very excited to take her duck hunting this fall and goose hunting. He's got he's going to Canada in September, and so he said, you know, where where do you think she'll be at? Now she just turned a year old. She's not through hold conditioning conditioning yet, and I I made sure he understood. Look, 
I'll, I think she'll be ready to go in the field with you throughout this fall. She'll make one out of five retrieves at best. The other four out of five or more, she'll watch because she's going to be built to be, now this is going to be a gun dog, so she's going to have to be steady. She's not going to be ready. She's not going to be handling yet. I don't have her on hand signals. She can go with and gain stuff from it, but she's not going to go with and be a finished retriever. And people have to understand that and be okay with it because she's barely over a year. And I don't care. Hell, Ellie last year, one of my personal dogs, who I think will turn out very nice, didn't go on her first hunt till she was two. So don't be in such a rush. Build the foundation and you'll have a long, long, long career or, you know, life of hunting with these dogs successfully don't rush it to get one extra year out of it and then pay the price for the next 10 to 15 so be patient with that uh going to this next puppy question um this one let's see this one is now this one i'm going to piggyback that question with this one because this one's kind of, i didn't realize that these are kind of the same this is from beth it says we have a new lab puppy my husband will be training for shed hunting I see a puppy training DVD on your reviews from 2017, but your, but on your store, it's a pre-sale. Do you have the previous one? How long until the new one is available? We have trained puppies before, but we're always looking for good information. So I've kind of answered that one for Beth as well. Uh, she saw the reviews from our old foundation DVD, which was called Puppy Training, Building a Solid Foundation. It has since been broken apart into two. It Puppy is no longer pre-sale, foundation is will be not pre-sale soon, will be shipping out soon. So I wanted to, I, I didn't realize that other question had a DVD, DVD question in it as well. So those two are knocked out. Now we're on to our last question of this one. Ben, where are we at for time? We are at 18, 18 minutes. minutes. I'm you got 12. I'm right on schedule. Uh, this one is from Todd. Todd says, I have a black lab, one year old. I work with him, but he's just got too much energy. It's unreal. He's just really hyper and won't stay still. Any tips on something I could start with? So the reason I bring this up, so two reasons. It's a one-year-old black lab. And a lot of people are going to go, I thought you were going to talk about just puppy stuff. I am talking about just puppy stuff. A one-year-old black lab or one-year-old whatever dog is a puppy. And I think what happens is, is we get this idea that because they look like dogs, which it does look like a dog by the time it's a year old, when they look like dogs, we think they should act like dogs and mentally they should be where dogs are. I think they're puppies from two years old, and I don't even care about the, the number or how old the dog is, but two years old and younger, I call them puppies because I think they have a lot of puppy traits. Uh, they just aren't, they just don't have the time to mature. You don't, kids these days, I mean, they, they got to get a little bit older before I consider them to be mature. They got to get some experience. They got to see things. Same is true with a dog. And I actually see some, some recently, some of the dogs that I'm training are maturing later and later and later. Not necessarily what I'm looking for. If I'm turning out a bunch of dogs, thank God I don't turn out a bunch of dogs. I don't train that many dogs in a year. And when I train a dog for a client, I train them like I would my own. So they stay with me. There's no time limit. There's no window where I have to have the dog done by a certain age and back. And I, it does, that does, age doesn't matter to me. It's when they get to a certain level. And some of them get to certain levels by the time they're, let's just put numbers on it for a second. I've got one dog right now that is just turned a year. And she is probably, 
several months further along in from a trainer's training standpoint than one of the dogs that is four months older than her. So does that mean that the one that's four months older is gonna go home sooner than the one that, because I've had it longer? No, it might stay with me longer because I just don't know how old it's gonna be before it hits the maturity level and hits where I need it to be from a training standpoint. So age doesn't really matter to me that much. And so when this question was, I've got a one-year-old dog, I picked it on purpose, because I wanted people to realize if you've got a one-year-old dog, you've got a puppy. If you've got an 18-month-old, you've got a puppy. If you've got, hell, some of them might be three years old and you may have a puppy. So what? So be okay with it. So, so it doesn't matter. Now, the other reason I picked this one is because I think this is something that a lot of people deal with. Um, I get a lot of feedback from people when I work with certain dogs that have a little more energy than others. Um, you can't... You know how many people have told me they have the most hyper dog in the world? They have the dog with the most energy. They have the dog that doesn't settle down more than anyone else's in the world. A lot of people think they have that. I think it's probably true that they have a dog that has a lot of energy. I think they think they have the dog with the most energy. I think by them having that mentality, it adds fuel to the fire. Like I don't, because I'll take some of these dogs that people tell me are the most energy and the most excitable and they're too hyper and they won't sit down and they won't sit still. Uh, Project Mighty Pet is something that we, we've talked about it a lot and we've shown it now. We started to show it when we released number two this week. Yep, Pro two. Project Mighty Pet is a, a video blog is what we're calling it. Um, isn't that what we're calling it? Yep. And it's on YouTube. And it's basically documented close to a year now of training sessions that we've done with the folks at Mighty Pet in Menominee, Michigan. And we've recorded some dogs that in the very beginning were really high energy, um, couldn't settle, real vocal, couldn't sit still, all sorts of things. And today we did, Tuesdays we go up there, so if you follow us on Instagram or you follow us on Facebook, we do, a lot of times we're, we're doing stories and we're showing Tuesdays is the day we go up there and, and do this. And we showed today, we had some puppies that were a little bit unsettled, uh, year, year old or younger, a couple of them were, first time working with us, and they were a little unsettled. And then we had a couple dogs that were a little bit older that have worked with us before, and they were the majority of the time laying on the ground almost half asleep and so it almost seems inevitable that when we start out with this and bring new dogs into it they come in with this feeling and this understanding of just constantly moving they're just constantly looking for the next thing to do they just don't understand that there's gonna be times where we sit still and don't do anything and so after looking back on some of these Project Mighty Pets, I've realized when we started out for the first couple weeks that we went up there, we took, we sat and had dogs do absolutely nothing. That was the lesson. So I think some people would think, boy, you're going up there to work with these dogs. It's going to be active and you're going to be moving around. You're going to be working on certain skills. And you go to a dog training. If you went to a dog training class, so here's the beauty of it. Nobody paid for it. Like it wasn't. It wasn't like someone was there, signed up, and paid, and said, oh, "I'm going to get all this training out of it." It was something that we mutually did with our friends up there, and and 
we just it was a it was an experiment on their part and ours and it's turned out i think really well and it will you know continue to go but the thing about it was if you paid for a lesson a dog training class or course and you went to it and it was an hour long a week, every week and the first four weeks it was a, let's just say it was a six-week program which this is putting time on stuff which is how everybody does stuff six-week course four-week course eight-week course 12-week course how do you know what's going to happen in eight weeks or 12 weeks when it comes to the the variable of having a dog involved you just don't know how quickly things are going to happen that's what i believe so we go to let's imagine you paid for a course that was six weeks old long in the first four weeks i'm your instructor and we didn't do anything we did nothing but talk and all we did was have our dogs sit and fuss it out and not get to do what they want. You, you ever see kids go places um, on Saturday morning or with their parents and they don't want to be there. They want to be somewhere else and they throw in fit, throwing a fit and whining and they're got it. They want to go do something else. And mom wants to, oh, okay. And then she goes and does it for three minutes and then the kid wants to do something different and then goes and does it and dad decides that he's going to take the kid to shut it up a little bit he takes it over here and lets it see this and then he gets bored with that and he takes him over here and so i think we as handlers we as parents in certain situations really get to the point where we create dogs that puppies that have a bit of an inability to sit still and just be patient and understand that they're not the life of the party and when they get bored with something doesn't mean we're going to change the scenery for them like they get tired of sitting still so we move then they get tired of sitting still again so we move and so what happens is, is their anxiousness their inability to sit still and be patient allows for us to really put form that habit for them reinforce it and form that habit so back to this mighty pet for I don't know a couple several weeks we spent the majority of our time just letting making these dogs sit still and realize that was very uncomfortable for some of them it was real uncomfortable but we weren't flexing we were going to and all of a sudden they got to this realization that I'm gonna be here a while and all of a sudden they settled in so I've had gosh I've had countless countless people that told me how they have the most hyper dog and their dogs are way hyper than mine. Trust me, the dogs I'm training right now, if you've watched any of the training with them, Spry, Spry can come unglued when you look at her in a certain way. She can get so excited. She can get, I mean, I can smile at her and she can beat her tail through the wall. And so you have to realize like certain dogs take certain amounts of praise or, or interaction and then they lose control so this guy is saying uh, he's got so much energy it's unreal he's really hyper and won't stay still so my answer to how do I handle dogs that are this wired dog that goes so fast and so hard is slow down like balance I, I think I started out with answering him by saying I did answer him my first line was I think it's finding balance I think everything is finding balance. When dogs want to go too slow, let's see, I got, I have seen the opposite. I've seen dogs that are so sluggish. They, you really have, Taylor's like that, my Taylor. You gotta light a fire under her just to get her tail to wag. 
And so she's just so relaxed. And it part of it is cultural because we try to build a culture that is not wired tight. I think dogs that are super wound up and tight usually mirror their owners. Like if you live a life that is just running all in all directions, out of control and with very little structure and now I, I say that because I, I have a tendency to fit under that mold a lot of times just because I have so many things going in so many directions. But when it comes to me working with the dogs, I make a point of changing that for even for even if it's a short period of time throughout the day. My dogs, when they're with me and, and seeing me and involved with me, we don't run helter skelter. We don't just left, right, left, right, left, right, straight. Like we know which way we're gonna go. We make a we make a decision and we go there. And sometimes it's not even right. Sometimes it's wrong, but I'll do it real confidently. And I'm not gonna panic and I'm not gonna freak out. And so I think sometimes it's this snowball effect of the dog gets hyper, the owner gets hyper, the dog gets spun up, the owner gets spun up, the frustration levels come out, there's stress levels through the roof, and trust me, they feel that. And then they feed off of it. So slowing down is the way to start to change the habit. And if you've got a dog that's wound real tight, you need to be that much more slow. And that is hard for a lot of people to get. Like they'll try it because they, they'll listen. You guys, there's some people that will listen to this and they'll go, oh yeah, man, that makes sense. I'm going to do that. It's one thing to think it. It's another thing to do it. And so you'll want to do it and then you'll start to do it and it'll be two or three minutes of this and then you'll go, ah, I can't do this. You can do it. It just takes time and it takes practice and you got to continue to work at it. And you have to be okay with the idea of there the other night. So we're doing this is I'm going to wrap this pretty quick, but we did hold conditioning. We're doing hold conditioning with four dogs right now. We're documenting it. We got this special little project going. It's pretty cool. Uh, I did. I had Tito. Tito is a dog we're training. Tito is on the higher end of energy. Tito got out. I let him go to the bathroom before we did this. He went out, he jumped in the pond and he came out like greenish gray with slime and he stank. And he came back and he was wet. And I went, you son of a... And I really didn't like him. At that moment, I didn't like him. And so I told Ben, I said, man, Tito is going in the kennel. He's not in hold condition today. And the reason was is because I was so pissed at him. There is no way we're getting anything good out of that lesson. So sometimes you got to be able to realize... And, and, and that it, it was coupled because we were pressed for time. Like we had a certain amount of time to do this. We had two dogs to do, and this was going to throw a real curveball at it, and I was pissed about it. So I decided I'm better off not putting him up on this table early on in hold conditioning and creating an, a situation that turns negative. So I didn't do it. So did I gain anything with hold conditioning that day with him? No, I did not. But I'd rather not gain something than risk going backwards with it. So I just didn't do anything with him that day. That's okay too. Some, but you can't. You just you can you can't have those days every day. So if you're having those days every day, you got to figure out how to change things. Like plan better. I if I had planned better, I'd given us more time. We wouldn't have been suppressed. Things would have worked out. Whose fault was it? Not Tito's. It was mine. But I'm okay with that, and I'm willing to say it. So I think the idea of these excitements and these 
Um, these dogs that, you know, too, too fast, too hot, slow down, slow down, counter them. For how hot and intense they are, you have to be that much cool and calm. And if you can start to do that, it won't be an overnight fix. It will take a long time. So especially, I think he said he's got a, this is a year old. So you've got a year worth of habits. So go into it with the mentality of by the time the dog is three, you're going to hope to be able to start seeing some changes. Three. And you're going to go, wait a minute. You're saying I have to do this for two years? Yes. Will it take two years? Maybe not. But if you go into it with the attitude, it's going to take me two years, and you're willing to do it for two years, by the time he's three, I guarantee you, you'll be way better off. But think about it. That's two years. But the dog's only going to be three, and the dog's going to live till he's 12 to 15. So that means you're going to get nine to, what, nine to 12 years of pretty nice dog, pretty calm dog. Or you can say, oh, I can't put that much time into it and just struggle for the next 14 years. I think I know what I want. So that's it. I went over. Ben let me go over 33 minutes. Ugh. I pointed at it. He pointed at it at 29 minutes. He said, hey, well, we went over a little bit. So those who are are uh, looking for a little bit longer podcast, number 10, this one's for you. So that's it. Thank you for listening. Uh, continue to send the questions. Continue to fuel this thing. Um, if you have comments, if you have reviews, if they're positive, I'd love to hear them. Uh, and, and I want to thank you guys. I want to thank you for all the support you're giving us with the podcast, with our YouTube stuff. We've got the Live with Spry out there. We've got the Project Mighty Pet that's kind of launching right now. Um, we've got so many little projects going. It's unbelievable. But uh, we're going to continue to do it because I think this is one way that we can offer a, a, a chance for you guys to, to get information and apply, figure out what works best for you, apply it, and be able to gain something and, and, and enjoy your dogs that much more. So until we can do this again, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Have a good one.